Jimmy. Jimmy. What's up? Sorry, that was so much testing. Yeah, it is what it is. One of the bigger things, too, is when I'm by myself and I don't have anyone in here, it's a lot of back and forth. You're like Spider-Man. Man. I'm just like back and forth. I'm just trying not to sweat through my blazer. Like, keep it pressed. Keep it rolling. My man, you were just like Spider-Man. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. All man. around. But hey, we have a special guest today. Jimmy, 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 introduce yourself. You just flew across the country to be on the MLO show with me, Addy Nat. Right. I am like absolutely stoked. <laughs> when you're looking to grow, man, you do what you got to do. And that's invested in yourself. And you're part of that reason why my growth is going to be where it needs to be. I absolutely love it. Absolutely, brother. Man, so direct flight last night. Right. You arrived what time in Portland, Oregon? I was in Portland, Oregon about 10.30. 10.30. 10.30. was actually cool because the flight wasn't that crazy, so the kids were able to enjoy themselves with two seats. <laughs> well, yeah, you were telling me, too, it's like nice when you can get the whole family together and not all spread out in the plane, right? Absolutely, absolutely. It, it, was, it, it was cool, man. We loved it. It's one of the good flights. So Jimmy is actually a mortgage originator, just like myself, but tell him your home state, where you're from, give him a little, like, <laughs> and not a boring LinkedIn bio, but enough nuggets for us to know. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm from Brooklyn, New York, Empire State. Um, it started me in the financial district, worked for investment management, private banking, had some fun with it. Um, I realized that um, I can do more with what I had. And um, I was doing things on the side as far as fixing people's um, clients, friends, family's credit. And I was like, wow, I can do this and have fun with it. In addition, I had gotten sick. I had blood clots. Um, <clears throat> and I realized when you're by yourself, you're like, what are some of the things you can do to help others grow? And incentive compensation was home ownership. And it got me to where I am here now, vice president at guarantee rate. That's amazing. I'm so like such a cool story. And I think maybe like tell me a couple of different things because really I want to, I'd love to compare kind of East coast real estate on the market side and then West coast. <laughs> and obviously the two totally different markets, you Clearly. know what I'm saying? But I'd love like right before we almost had our own podcast in the operations side of this entire studio. Cause you were talking about the number one thing people, people do to screw up their mortgage. Really? What's the number one thing. And I want to hear more about, your perspective on that and then do some comparison. So we're going to kind of bounce all over the place today, guys, but bear with us. I promise there's going to be plenty of nuggets to take place. And especially a lot of our audience isn't in the West coast. So bringing in a mortgage person that's got a perspective from the East coast and all of our listeners and watchers out there right. can hear from you. So maybe let me give you a question. Like, what do you think the like maybe biggest misperception of buying a home in the East Coast is compared to the West Coast? Is it property taxes? Is it like neighborhoods? Is it price point? Like, talk to me. What do you? What, what kind of conversations are you having right now? In the state I live in, um, New Jersey, where I do most of my business, um, taxes is a big thing. So sometimes people, potential clients, think they can afford certain things. However, they get shocked based on the county they're moving into because of the taxes. Isn't New Jersey like one of the highest property tax states? It's a challenge. <laughs> like, give me, like out here, I use the rule, um, the 1% rule. So it's right. very common for an annual assessment of property taxes to be 1% of what you bought that home for. Correct. And it does increase gradually with appreciation and reassessments. But do you kind of have a percentage rule that you tell your clients? Usually 
when they're buying price points between four to six hundred thousand, mm-hmm. I go generic and just call it twelve thousand a year. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, in, in some counties, wow, that's applicable. In others, it's like, oh, and then there are others who don't have as much in taxes, and that's a good thing. But you keep in mind that your proximity to New York City is not far, right? So there are factors behind it. I mean, <laughs> that justification really only, <laughs> you're pretty close to the big city guys. So yeah. I was like, uh, could you give me a little, but like 12,000, cause that's like a $1.2 million home here. Oh no. Do you know no. what I'm saying? <laughs> like $12,000 property taxes, it would be a normal assessment for a $1.2 million home in the Portland, Oregon area. So you're talking, oh my gosh, 400 to 600 K homes have over $10,000 absolute annual yeah. property taxes. No question. Well, just some quick math and you take the 12,000 divide that by 12. We've got $1,000 per month built into your all inclusive payment guys. $1,000. <laughs> like that's like a souped up Escalade payment yeah, every yeah. month going to property taxes. So the cost of living needs to be quite the factor out there. Right? Clearly it is. And, that's the stick that that's the sticker sticker shock that some um have to deal with the fact is like this is what i'm going to be paying mm-hmm. in taxes and keep in mind that's okay in the corridor that i'm in right you, if Normal. you're in new york um, parts of westchester long island i mean it's if not more right mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you're getting probably 2300 square feet of a home in westchester mm-hmm. and some parts of jersey and you're paying Eleven, twelve thousand dollars in taxes. Oh yeah. Well, man, that's still like yeah. the sticker shock. It's hitting me. I'm not even like buying out there. It's your <laughs> your neighborhood. Yeah. One of the like little nuggets that I use with my people when we're going through what I call the mortgage strategy right. is it's an easy. I call it kind of a Netflix takeaway. And right. what a Netflix takeaway is when you and the wife are like pausing Netflix and you're talking about your payment or what we can get approved for. Right. For $50 in extra payments, say it's a credit card minimum payment, say it's $50 more because you upgraded to that nicer car, right? Right, A little extra payment. That impacts your pre-approval buying amount by approximately $10,000. So that's a real easy takeaway for everyone. You double that up to, you take on a $100 a month payment. Say you're just like, oh, 100 bucks, that's nothing. I'm going to finance this whatever personal loan, hundred bucks a month, you actually just lowered your pre-approval amount by approximately $20,000, your buying power, your budget. And it plays the same role, Jimmy, in property taxes, right? Yeah, it it, it does because like you can, some parts of the county, Morris County, I'll just use that as an example, right? You'll buy a $600,000 house Mm -hmm. and the taxes will be $10,000. Meanwhile, you'll look in some parts of Essex County where the house is $400,000 and your taxes are $15,000 in taxes. You're like 15,000 on $400,000 price point, yeah. 600,000 on a $10,000 price point. You're like, wow. And that is a huge difference in your monthly payments. And Massive. So when referral partners I work with, the first thing I tell them is look, when you're taking your clients out, just make sure that you understand the county mm-hmm, slash mm-hmm. town so you can, make sure that they're aware of what their shock is going to be with their monthly payments. So it doesn't make it seem like it's Jimmy that came up with these numbers. It's where you're looking at that came up with these numbers. I'm here to support it so we don't get into any financial hiccups. You know what I mean? Well, and I, I would also add too, it's 
this is one of the reasons why you do to absolutely need to work with somebody that's going to be up front and run those numbers with a microscope. Absolutely. Not just a wide angle fish eyed lens because <laughs> dude, when it, maybe one property is $200 more a month because of the taxes, you might or might not approve, be approved for that house. You've toured it. You're putting in an offer. You think you're good to go. Right. But somebody like Jimmy or myself, we're really going to analyze the property prior to and really ensure, okay, well, you know, you guys are approved up to here and up front before you get out into the field, you know, hey, I got to connect with Jimmy or Addy prior to putting in an offer because these taxes might be too high for me and I might not be able to afford it or I might have to bring an extra five, dollars $15,000 in down payment. And guys like you and I, we don't want to blindside people that Absolutely. information. Man. No, it's, it's crazy. And that's what, like anything else, right? You talk to an automated person and they just understand what they understand based off a table that they saw was given to them in a monthly online calculator online. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And so when you're looking at it, they're like that person's saying this, and this is what your monthly payment is. I'm like, who told you this? And why do you feel like that's the monthly payment you're going to have? Mm -hmm. You need to speak to someone like myself and you to make sure that we give you your proper insurance payments, your proper tax payments. Good so point. we make sure that, when you're going into this situation, you yeah. feel like, okay, the trust factor is there. Now let's figure out a way to get the offer for the home that potentially will be mine. Absolutely. Well, to not get on the, you know, monthly payment rant for too long, <laughs> but that's, those are good takeaway guys, especially if you're a home buyer, home seller, looking to refinance and you're watching or listening to the show, really take into account the taxes and really take into the account of, if you're just getting a quick one-off from Joe Schmo, who doesn't really care, and he took six minutes to make you do something online, and then the only return is, here's your water approved, <laughs> it's probably not that dialed in. So no. it's extremely important to work with someone that's going to give you the attention to detail and you understand, because also there are a lot of ways, and I'll conclude and won't go to a new second, there are a lot of ways to manipulate an approval. And when I say manipulate, I'm not saying like anything illegal, but there are ways for you to structure, say, closing costs or estimated property taxes right. and make something look more appealing than it really is. For example, say you do call an internet lender, right? right? You call someone out in the land of I don't care. And you're like, hey, welcome to the land of I don't care. I need to get approved. Okay, great. Fill this out. And then they send you a, you're, you're approved up to 500 and this is your payment, $2,500 a month. You're like, well, that's accounting for historically lowest property taxes right. that you might find on a property, <laughs> right? Right. And then the insurance that you're not going to be able to get because that won't even cover the house. No. Right. And an interest rate that isn't even accurate. No. So it's like, Oh, it's a bait and switch, right? So they'll quote you there on, yeah, they'll quote you on what you pay quarterly for taxes for your yearly taxes. You're like, whoa, really? I'm like $3,000. That's what some of us pay a quarter, right. if not more in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, not, not, excuse me, not Pennsylvania, New Jersey. Yeah. So you're like, whoa, but it, it happens. So you just have to be careful with that. You got to be careful. I mean, my wife and I, uh, anyone who's watching is like an abnormally dark tan for me because we were just in Mexico. Living that life, We huh? went on a vacation. A well-deserved well Well-deserved, well-deserved. It was a five-year wedding anniversary thing, okay. Jimmy. Congratulations, but, man. I appreciate it. But, well, my wife's an amazing person. She puts up with me. But... Yeah. <laughs> 
here's the thing. It really reminds me when you go to do these like vacation tours, right? Right. And it's like there's that baseline price. Like, oh, you get to do these tours or right. whatever, like forty nine dollars. <laughs> oh, that's super doable. Yeah, it's catchable, right? right? Yeah, it makes it's sense. It's the same concept with mortgage, but here's the story. It's $49. The whole time you think it's $49 and you make this whole plan to take your family out to this excursion and you show up. Uh uh-uh. $49 is like you sit in the bleachers to watch the dolphins. Absolutely. If you want to move up once and maybe feel the splash, right. 75 bucks. Oh, if you no. want to put a foot in, $100. Oh, if yeah. you want to swim with the dolphins, $250. And that's real time. That's the that's the ad you saw. No question. Oh yeah, do you want that big picture too? Yo, you want the picture? <laughs> $20. But that is what we're trying to eliminate in the mortgage space. Right. We don't want you to think it's going to be this huge Cirque du Soleil event, an excursion, and then it's four times the cost yeah. that you were expecting. No, we want it up front. Exactly. We want to know. We want to manage the expectations and make sure that you're as educated as possible going into the buying process. Yeah, yeah but this is a lifetime commitment, right? And the fact is that- yeah, it's not I'm, just swimming with the dolphin. Exactly, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not a one-time thing like <laughs> we out. You know, This is a no, lifetime no. commitment, and family and friends want to know how you were treated throughout the process. And that's our responsibility because I think we are the financial advisors when it comes to their lives because mm-hmm. they're gonna have their securities, investment managements, talking to one person. There's gonna be situations where they're gonna talk to us when things do happen and they have the equity mm. and they can talk to us and then take that same information, share it with their financial advisor. And now we become the bridge of community of financial literacy, one, mm-hmm. two, we're protecting your interests. Three, it's what we do because we love it. Right. Absolutely. I was just writing down a couple of notes. <laughs> well, love that. I want to get into that equity position line you said in a okay. little bit, but let's like put that on the table and go, what is the season of real estate for you guys out in the East Coast and where you're at specifically? Because in the Portland market, summer's hot like spring and summer a lot of people those are the times it's not raining here in the pacific northwest so people prefer to you know move their stuff when it's not pouring down rain but additionally school districts play a really big factor people prefer to move their kids when they're not in school and in that kind of flow stuff but um our off season is kind of like once labor day hits and goes to march those are kind of the less buyer um roundabout times is that the same for you guys same for us yeah same for us because usually when they're moving it's predicated off the school system so wherever your kid is at at the time that's when you're like okay do i want my kid to do this do i want my kids to do that so on and so forth so it's like you well talk because we don't get a lot of snow here does snow play a factor like how does that work into real estate well there's a huge population in the tri-state area so Mm -hmm. in some cases depending on how someone is feeling because if you're living in uh you know, this Manhattan, let's say you, you're living in these walls and sometimes you just want that, yeah, that yeah. outside living. So it, it, you do quite a business, but it's not like, not like the spring market, spring going into summer. Like it's just burn and turn. Let's go. Like we're closing you <laughs> onto the next, let's do this, let's do that. You know, helping clients and so on and so forth. So that's the busy market. Well, out in here, out in Pacific Northwest, we have a pretty standard 30 day close expectation. That's kind of par for the course. Are those the same for your area on the East Coast? Or I keep saying, like, give me what, how do I refer to your area specifically from a local standpoint? 
We're from the east, man. Just fine, <laughs> but really? the east also we includes like Florida. Really? We're not talking about Boca Raton. Nah, we're gonna leave it that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's the south, man. We in yeah. the east. Um, same thing. It's expected for us to close in thirty days because yeah. it, it's just where we're at with what things were going on, and particularly with the company I work for now. Right? Mm -hmm. It's um, the way it's set up is. We have to give that concierge service, mm -hmm. meaning that from beginning to end, we're trying to close you as quick as possible because we understand how important it is for you to have this home. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. And I, I like one of the bigger differences, though, it's on the West Coast here in Oregon. Right. Our real estate laws and you got to know out there, real estate laws are different in every state. Correct. Every single state has different ways and laws on the sell side and on the buy side. Right. So. On the West Coast, Oregon and Washington, a lot of the real estate laws protect the buyer, right. not the seller. For example, there's a lot of layered contingencies that if anything happens, like say you lose your job up to the last three or four days prior to closing, you would still have a way to get your earnest money back because of you know your employment or your financing contingency. But down in California, it's like everything's about the seller <laughs> and the market has actually pushed from in that state. It's like demand five to seven days after accepted offer that you release all contingencies. Whoa. California is unreal. No, no joke. Like straight up. Wow. I didn't There's a lot that. of money at stake and they're very aggressive and it never ends well for the buyer if they want to back out and it's really predicted to the seller. So it's curious, you know, is it more of a buyer protected law state in the East or is it more seller from your point of view? My, it, it, New Jersey, it, I'm going to speak to New Jersey, right? So the buyers are protected mm -hmm. as well as the sellers. I mean, there could be situations where sometimes that person can get their earnest money back. Mm -hmm. However, it is my responsibility right, um, to make sure that that episode does not happen because yeah. of there's too many ripple effects that can happen. So in New Jersey, the buyers are some, the sellers and buyers are protected. I would say evenly. I, I don't, even. I don't see, I haven't seen situations, at least in my experience where somebody was not getting their fair share for most of the lawyers that I work with in New Jersey, it's always been like, okay, we're going to do this to protect the seller. We're going to do this to protect the buyer. And before they move forward, you know, sp particularly with programs with the FHA, like you make sure there are certain things covered in order to make sure the purchase goes through. Yeah. Well, I think another really big, and I love this, I compare California because it's the most right. expensive West Coast up to my area, Oregon, Washington, and then to you. So a lot of people that I help a lot of relocations from uh, California. Right. So a lot of those people down there think that, you know, they're living in Southern California, super expensive, right? right. And in their mindset, they haven't bought because they think they need 20 to 25% down. And that actually p plays a lot of weight in that California market is how much down payment it is. But up here in Oregon, Washington, it really doesn't play as much of a role in the seller's consideration. And it's like, okay, well, maybe they're a first time home buyer, buyer utilizing the 3% down, right? Right, right? And it's not playing that big of a deal. As long as we can demonstrate the assets and they are paying their closing costs, it's just as competitive. So it's mm -hmm. curious, like, um, for me, probably average down payment for my clientele is going to be between about seven to 12% okay. down payment. Right. So what are you kind of seeing over there? Is that pretty much the same or less or more? So it, when we were going through pandemic, yeah, there were some who had more down payment that was attractive, right? Rightfully so, because that's how that individual was thinking. 
Sure. But um, I like, I've seen from FHA going down as to being a half percent to 10% down. Um, we were working with a lot of clients that were dealing with that type of price point. And those who had 20%, 25%, it is what it is. We just continue to process because you just, you felt like this is what you wanted to put down. But my conversations were more about, hey, if you, if it's cheap to borrow money, mm-hmm. why are you putting less down? Let, let the rate work for you. Absolutely. Keep whatever you were about to put down, put that in your savings, put that in a rainy day situation. Hey, talk to my finance, talk to one of my referral partners who Mm -hmm. does financial investments, ask them, what are some of the nuances I can do conservatively investing or risky investing, depending on what tolerance you're comfortable with, speak to them and ask them how they can allocate some of your monies to help it grow within the market. It's huge. And like, that's a good point too with the reserves. I preach that all the time because you don't want to put all your money into the no. home and then not be able to access it. And the only way you can would be to get an additional home equity line of credit or to refinance and right. that has fees. So you just spent $3,000 in fees to get $20,000, not a really good financing uh, and percentage then in, there. Right? And in some cases what we're doing with private mortgage insurance, I would make yeah. the case, you know, it's at your rate is actually cheaper if you have two people insuring your money than mm-hmm. one person. They're like, no, that's not possible. I'm like, yes, it is. And you know what? Because of the house is over ask, why don't you buy down your private mortgage insurance? You still have that rate and you still have the cash that you thought you was going to need to put down. Now you can, again, put that through another vehicle and make that money work for you, right? Yep. So oh, that's a good point. That's another takeaway not a lot of people know. Um, and it takes a two-step kind of explanation. So number one, if you put less than 20% down, you're usually issued what's called a mortgage insurance premium. So that can be paid up front or uh, added into your monthly payment. Correct. Most people take the monthly payment. Right, right, right. That factor is all determined on conventional loans for how much down payment and what your credit score is. So note that credit score plays a huge role in that. Yep. But not everyone thinks, oh, I want to do the 20% down so I don't carry mortgage insurance. They don't want to be talked out of it or into it. Okay, no, I understand that. But you understand that your rate, and this is what Jimmy was just saying, your rate is actually higher in most situations if you put 20% down or more. And why is that? Because your note, the loan, the mortgage is not insured with the mortgage insurance. Exactly. So the investor actually gives you a slightly lower interest rate because your note is insured. So if you ever default, that lender or the investor then executes on that mortgage insurance and gets bailed out on your note. So that is another thing, like having 17 to 18% down might be a way better play for most people than 20 to 25. Absolutely correct. Save a ton of money, do what Jimmy's saying where you get a nest egg. Now I've got six to 12 months that I could reinvest into a conservative brokerage account. Correct. Which a lot of those are making, what, four to 9%. I'm no financial advisor. Right, right, right. (laughs) Like they're making money, right? right? Right. And then, you know, depending, I think federally right now, I think mortgage insurance is a tax reduction too. Yeah. Uh, once again, not a tax certified, I got to say that for compliance reasons, but there's a lot of advantages to having a dynamic mortgage strategy and talking about diversifying your money and using it wisely. So you and your family are protected and not house poor. Exactly. That's the most important thing. And someone like myself where we didn't have that much coming up. So when I'm working with a client, Mm -hmm. I 1 million percent understand that. And so that's why I'm always protecting that because I know 
two or three payments can set you back. Right. And I don't want to be that guy, right? Because you're not my transaction. You're my relationship. Everything means that much more to me as more, like anything else, right? right? You're part of my family. Some people say like, whoa, you're getting too emotional behind. I'm like, it is emotional because you're helping someone purchase something that they probably never thought about purchasing. Now I'm in a position to purchase because of your help. And two, it's a family moving into a home. What better way to create what you felt you worked hard for, which is an asset? Yeah. I mean, I came from a family that, you know, tried their best to give me as much of an educational opportunity. So they overextended themselves to get into school districts. So I was in a good school. So I, right. I was that kid, right? That like was going to the nice schools, but I was working at the country club <laughs> that they were all going to on the weekends. Right. It's like, hey guys, you know, like, <laughs> look at me. Yeah, oh, hey, do you right, need right, your right. clubs cleaned? I'll be your caddy. But I think what that brings is the kind of like an earn it attitude Correct. and like, Hey, I'm going to hustle and I'm going to grind. And I think what I see in you and just how much passion comes out when you're talking about home ownership is like, that's the number one step to get ahead in this world, in the United States. Like everything starts with owning your home because you're isolating your overhead. Yeah. You're isolating your overhead. And if you're playing it smart, you'll have equity to use it. That becomes the next one. Then another home. Correct. And then that money keeps compounding and it's the snowball. It's effect. almost like, your house is your bank, mm -hmm. respectively, if you use it correctly, right? Right, Because that now creates what's called aggregates of some of the things that you can do. Like if you're doing something where you're doing something full-time, you decide that, hey, you know what? There's a path I wanna take as an entrepreneur. Because you have positions in your home, mm -hmm. you can leverage that now and create a business because now at home, which is your bank, if, again, if you're using it correctly, not please do not use your house as an ATM machine. That is not what your house is for. Mm -hmm. But you can use some of these things that with the equity to create different portfolios within your family. And that's how you create wealth is through an asset, in my opinion. I think you're spot on. And going back to that, like isolating the overhead thing, you just... I feel like a lot of first time home buyers or just renters, people that haven't bought, purchased a home yet. And my wife and I bought our first home when I was only 25 and I wish I did it at 19, 21 or found a way earlier. Yeah. Cause that would just be so many more steps ahead. And people don't understand. It's like, look, these are 30 year fixed mortgages. Like if anything goes sideways, like you have that payment to take care of. The only thing that's going to inflate are your property taxes and then your homeowner's insurance. That's the only change. Every payment will be the same versus if you rent, that payment's going to go up every single year. It, Additionally, appreciation costs continue to go up and everyone's like, oh, I just need to save up my 20%. Right. down or I need, I'm only comfortable on this payment. Well, look at this. It's super, super hard to out save appreciation. Absolutely. Think about what you, what a family has to do to save 10 G's cash post tax, 10 G's. That's a ton of money. We're talking, you you need to make an additional 16 to 20% depend or 16 to 20 K in the year and not touch it. Not, yeah. Pre-tax, let it filter down, put it in the bank. Yeah. That's really hard. But guess what? That $450,000 house you're looking at now costs five oh five. by the time you've saved up all that money. Exactly. And it, Short story. Mm -hmm. When my wife and I, we got married, um, 
parts of the community where I, where I was from, buying a home wasn't something that we were Talk. thought to do, yeah. right? It was like, hey, you have a house. Okay, cool, man. That's what's up. You got the house, right? That's what's up. Yeah. Um, and then we were conformed to it's okay to pay rent because we're just living. We're just trying to make do what we can, right? My wife and I, we got married. Literally, we didn't even do a big wedding. I looked at her and I'm like, nah, I'm just going to buy a house, man. And friends at the time were like, dude, you're crazy, man. You know, you, why are you spending all this money? I'm like, man, listen. I don't see any value me paying rent into something yeah. that I have a daughter already. How am I supposed to put her in a situation where she can grow? So it has to start with me as a dad first, right? So when I decided not to have a wedding, brought the house, everybody looked at me like it was crazy. And so the commitment I made to my wife was like, hey, you know what? We do 10 years. Right. We'll do a, we'll do a wedding then. Most likely those those will be our friends. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> right? That's a good point. I mean, she looked at me and she was like, I can't believe you're doing this. I'm like, well, first thing is first. We have to understand we're examples. We're parents. We have a kid. We have to make sure we provide for our family. And my parents being immigrants, I already knew, excuse me, I, I already knew that I had to do this. So this is why it's so important for me mm -hmm. when it comes to clients working with me and referral partners because this again this is this is the beacon of my my life right showing you what you can do with those mm -hmm. assets and that's that's super impactful and i hope people watching and listening get inspired <laughs> too because right. it's not impossible and i think that's where a lot of that that energy or you're saying before like oh you're you're getting too emotional to it's like no, no. because we we are looking at it from the lens that you're in like this is going to make generational differences and then not to get all sappy but it's like guys you know so many people are just going off to college and getting themselves into hundred thousand dollars in debt for a degree that they're not committed to not interested in exactly and now they'll be stuck with this debt for their entire life and struggling to make those payments or trying to find creative ways to have them deferred or get them relieved. And now your entire existence isn't about growing wealth. No, it's about avoiding paying bills. Yeah, it's called liability that you're probably not going to pay anytime soon. I mean, I love the wedding thing because weddings are crazy expensive. Mm -hmm. You can spend an infinite amount of money on a wedding. And I'm not, I'm not saying don't do a wedding, but there's a lot of creative ways to maybe cut that wedding bill by 50%, 75% and put the rest of that money toward a home yeah. and start off um, financially sound with an asset, just like you said. And guess what the number one reason why people get divorced is? Finances. Finances, right. It, it, it's the truth like have that dialed in yeah and i'm not saying it's easy but you got to put energy exactly and thought and really think through what's your top priority exactly right? spot on it's like for me my entire goal for all of our properties for my wife and i is to have them paid off around the years that we plan to have career freedom aka retirement retirement i don't right. think i'll ever retire but career freedom Correct. like hey maybe i want to go work for a nonprofit, or i want to go work for the portland public school district and do financial literacy they're not gonna be able to pay me any money but if i had that career freedom and i had all my bills paid and had no mortgage debt yeah i could go do that for five ten years right absolutely so the commitment my wife and i make is we add additional money toward our principal every single month so that we not only are paying the the principal balance down quicker but we're paying it 
15 years off faster. So our 30 has now moved to a 15 and then we'll be mortgage free by the time we want to be career free. Right. And we do the same thing. That's and a commitment though. It's a but good it's commitment. A priority. It's a, right. Because just because you get older, right. There are certain things you're not going to be able to do Absolutely. like you did when you was 21, 22, 23. Sure, sure. Also when you're doing that, you're also allocating your 401k or your yep. Roth IRA accounts, right? Absolutely. Because that is going to be your cash flow. If you can't understand that, you shouldn't be talking to a mortgage advisor. You shouldn't be talking to a financial advisor. If you want those short-term commitments, there are people who you can talk to for that. Yeah. When you when clients who are talking to us, you and I, mm -hmm. this is what we're giving them. We're giving them the path to what passive income can be and how financial literacy can work. And that's what it's all about, ultimately. Yeah. No, that, I love the way you said that. And it, it, I was like, my brain's getting going because <laughs> it just means so much. And like going to the priority thing. Right. Of course, like we could have really crazy cars if we wanted. Right. Yeah. But I drive a Toyota, a respectable car. And I'm going to drive that thing till half a half a million miles if I can. Right. <laughs> Good luck with right? that. <laughs> or some people, you know, they prioritize having a 900 to 1100 a month car payment. But if you had a reasonable car payment or paid off your reasonable car, conservative car, and took that extra money and put it toward that accelerated mortgage payment at 15 years where you're paying it off in 15 years quicker because you're adding more to the principal, what I just explained, right? What's more important? You driving a souped up Range Rover and impressing people that are, don't even know you because they're on the side of the street or... Do you want to have career freedom? It, it, it also to go further. And right? I'm not dogging nice no, cars. No, not, not absolutely right. I, I'm so, just trying to be right. like, come on. And you know what? You can have an expensive car note. You could, your car note could be eight, nine hundred dollars a month. But if you're making thirty thousand a year, that doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, like if you're making quarter of a mil, three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand a year, thousand dollar a month car note is what you you worked for. That you can't afford it. Go ahead. What what? blows my mind up mm -hmm. is when I hear ads, no credit, good credit, but you got a Mercedes, I could hook you up. I'm like, you're, you're creating a cycle again. You're putting people into a situation where it's okay to make $40,000 and your car note is 1200 a month. And I'm right. like, really? I take offense to that because you're saying you want to build communities, but you're asking someone to take something that depreciates quicker than anything that I know of. And then say, okay, you know what? I'm, I think I'm ready to buy a house. And then now when, when you and I are doing the calculations, I'm like, all right, credit card 20 bucks, car note 1300 bucks. And dude, you don't, excuse me, you only make this amount. Why would you do this? Well, I wanted to fix my credit. So the Mercedes, right. on the payment. So the German vehicle helped you. Um, <laughs> Not to mention the maintenance costs on. <laughs> exactly. So they don't have the mindset like you and I, like the Toyotas, the, the, the cars that we can afford with what we make and realize that that's a simple liability which we work hard for, but we can afford right. and still put more towards our asset, which is our, our principal. Well, and I only like I only get after that 
mm-hmm. a little more intensely because like I've gone down that route. Like I grew up in a new money, old money area. Like I explained it, but I was working at the country club. Right. So I was around all those things. So yeah, of course I had those impulsive things when I was younger. Right. Like, yeah, I want this. And oh my gosh, the BMW or the super expensive suits or whatnot. Right. Like, no, like what's more important to me is keeping my overhead low correct having flexibility to have experiences in life right and not be you know have what's that called the golden handcuffs where you're just <laughs> stuck but you just given that like thirteen hundred dollar mercedes payment right we're talking like two hundred thousand dollars in real estate buying power right so say you were with no payment you'd be half a million you go to jimmy you're like yeah i got the you know souped up c-class or whatever i don't know mercedes very well but now jimmy can only give you a three hundred thousand dollar loan because you're riding those that car yeah wow i try to you know i i try to compartmentalize these things right <laughs> because you can't going and you, you can't go into these conversations because you emotionally like you try to figure out why did you do this but at the same time they just probably just don't know and so i have to be a professional i have to take time out schedule that call and get my mind right so i understand that what happened is if you didn't know let me help you understand why this was not the way to go i i'm with you too and a lot of it and this happened to me when i was a kid right um we remember little things that were taught from our parents that might or not might or might not be true right like when I was young, my dad, he was struggling with starting his own business and transitioning into a career in overused credit cards. All I remembered growing up to me was credit cards are the devil. Right. Never take them out, son. And like I wasn't old enough to understand the context of that comment, but right. it stuck. Yeah. So going in as an adult, you turn 18 and you're like, you get that first credit card or whatever and it has a little like thousand dollar limit you stack it up and you, and you can't pay it off and you're like well credit cards are the devil <laughs> but that stuff gets passed down and there's no education there's nothing no. in our public school system teaching anyone about how a fico scores yeah determined or how to properly use a credit card or the long-term impacts of student loans yeah and this is stopping people from getting into home ownership and it's impacting generational wealth over decades. It's, it's not centuries. Yeah, you have an anchor on your leg. Like you're like, where am I going? You're not going anywhere because you have you're all stuck. these pounds on your leg. So the same thing with my oldest daughter, she's on my credit cards right mm-hmm. now. And I'm letting her know, like, this is what the limit is. This is what you can do. You go past this. Whatever you made during the summer, you're going to pay for it. Yep. I will take care of it because I don't want the interest. But you're going best believe you're going to give me back my money, right? Because you need to understand that this is money does not grow on trees. Mm-hmm. We have worked hard to put you in a situation to afford certain things. Yeah. Therefore, you need to be responsible because then now that mindset is taken care of moving forward. So when she has her kids, her family, she'll re- she'll set that up right then and there. That's fantastic. Absolutely, man. I love that you're doing that. And um, it's just going to make a world of impact and understanding the financial management. And I know we're like ping ponging all around here, but let's try <laughs> to have like a good fi- stuff. Yeah, let's a make final, it fun now. Let's make it fun. Okay. Yeah, like going into kind of a final segment, though. Like, okay. What is off the top of your head, like the big number one fun story for a home buyer with you? Like that's just like a fa- family you got into a home and it did it take one or two years or anything off the top of your head that's a good story to share i have two good stories so last year um during the hype of the market some 
who did not know about VA loans mm-hmm. were like, we don't want this, we don't want that. So I had a client I was working with and she asked me, what's the difference between the conventional and VA loan? I'm like, there is no difference. Yeah. And she said, I heard the appraisal, I'm like, is your house in a good condition? Does your house have everything working? Those loans are good. They're just as good as conventional. Some can mm-hmm. make a case, VA loans are better than conventional loans. I'm not a VA expert, but I know the general conception of a yeah. VA loan, right? I do a lot of VA, yeah. Right, so she said, okay, fine. She had We had this conversation. She gave that person who fought for our country that home over the conventional buyer. And that made me feel good because of the simple fact that one, you listen to me. Two, I did not steer you in any wrong direction. Right. I just wanted to give you the difference of what these loans were. Three, you sold that house and you brought the house to, to help you move because you upgraded, right? Right, right? And then another story was my, so, uh, I was working with this client who worked a year until she got her second job to calculate for her DTI, which she needed income to mm-hmm. apply for the mortgage. And she was like, Jimmy, I'm going to call you. I'm like, this is what I'm talking about. Someone, a single mom, raising her kids, needed the second job to qualify, waited to that two-year mark, mm-hmm. and got the mortgage. Man, I was doing jumping jacks. <laughs> it was like, this is what it's all about. You have to love what you do, because ultimately, the key is in your hands to help them get whatever they're looking for. When oh, home totally ownership. Like you know what I mean? The, 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 those are the, this, that, the, this is what I took away from 2021 with my experiences. I like that second job thing, because not a lot of people know that. They think... Okay, so it kind of goes back just a little educational piece for everyone. Right. When you are applying for a mortgage, there's a difference between what you think you make and what qualifying income is. That is very correct. There are two major differences in those determiners. So the qualifying income is what an underwriter, the person that stamps the approved, right. that's the per. they have strict guidelines to what counts, right? Correct. So it needs to be almost guaranteed income. And that is based mostly on your primary job, right? Right. If it's sales and commission, they're going to take two-year average of your commissions and making sure they're on level plane or increasing, can't be decreasing. Right. If you're a salary person, super easy. Right. Right. But here's the thing. With overtime and second jobs, there has to be a two-year continuance. Correct. In order for all of that money to be qualifying. You can't just have one job and then decide you're going to pick up a shift at Best Buy on Saturdays yeah. and bump your income up another $1,000. That doesn't work. So what Jimmy's saying about, man, it was so cool to first talk with this client. Then they needed to continue to get that second job, two-year mark history to double count qualifying income and maximize the approval. Man, that that's exciting stuff, and I love to hear that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, what... What's cool about the situation was that she stuck with me. She was like, oh, my God. It's like a journey. Yeah, it's like, and then you're sitting there, you're like, wow, this is what it's all about. And to go further, we had accountability calls. Yeah. Hold me accountable because I'm going to hold you accountable. And that's how it turned out. And it was just a blessing to see a, a mother do so much for her kids. It was priceless. It, 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 like I said, it, it, was a, it, was a good, it was a good look. It was definitely a good look. It's fantastic. I, I really am happy that you like took the time to, you know, share with us your stories and have a little banter about the East and the West coast. Yeah. 
But I think the common ground is just doing what's different to make an impact on people's lives. And like, not, not that I feel like we're kind of starting to talk to mortgage professionals, but I think from a consumer standpoint, guys, everyone that's out there, think twice about how you're being treated when you're having a mortgage strategy call. Someone trying to jam you through and have a short conversation. Okay, you're good. Talk to me when you're done. Yeah. Uh, No, are they taking the time? Like what Jimmy's saying, where it's like, it was an accountability partner. Right. But are they tied to the outcome being fast or are they tied to the outcome being what's best for you? Because that's what's most important, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Just just for the simple reason is because we we help make decisions in their lives and they're always going to remember that. Right. It's always that time I got the house. And, you know, even sometimes you wake up at two in the morning, you're like you pinch yourself because where you're at in your life. And that's the same thing when someone's buying a home. We finally got the house. I'm like, and no one can talk to you because you're talking to yourself at two in the morning, right? So that's what it's about, right? The essence of home ownership. And that's what you and I try to do. We empower that through all of our relationships. It's, it, I mean, it's so impactful. You're just reminding me what you're talking there. The first detached home that my wife and I bought. Right. My first one was a condo, and then we converted to a rental, bought a primary. I remember sitting across the street from the house on okay. the curb. And we had just gotten keys, but we weren't moving until the next day. Just got the keys and like literally started crying. Like just by myself. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Like literally less than 10 years prior, like I was couch surfing, didn't have a great job, never owned a home, you know, was struggling in life. So anyone out there that's wondering if it can happen, these timelines, if you make it a priority and you work toward that as a goal, there's plenty of resources out there, and I can tell you from personal experience, you can change your life through home ownership. And that's the same thing I do with my referral partners. I, this is this is a staple of my life with them. If you have to do real estate, I don't want to work with you. If you love to do real estate, we're going to do well together. Mm-hmm. That's it. Because I don't want you to force certain things down someone's throat just because you're chasing that commission. That means crap to me. Yeah. Because ultimately... You are their key when they're when they're not when you two are not around each other, right? They're talking about their experience. They want to know how it happened, and they're sharing yeah. those experiences with friends and family. So that's how I always make it. That's how I make it with my referral partners. You gotta love what you do in order to work with me. Other than that, I just don't want that relationship. Yeah. And like I said, there's other businesses out there that can do that, right? Good luck to you with that. I'm not gonna go that long rabbit hole. I love that. You can't be tied to the. You can't be tied to the outcome. To truly be objective. Love it. That's That's what I'm talking about. Well, I think on that note, we'll slide out to our outro, which we're by myself right now, just me and Jimmy. So I don't have someone to press the music button. So I'm going to have to tie that in on the end post editing. But Jimmy, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the FLO show. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, but make sure on the outro, I mean, the outro. What kind of music do you want? Biggie Smalls, man. (laughs) I don't know. It's the Brooklyn way, man. You know how we do. I'll see if I can try to find something Brooklyn. It'll probably be playing right now. I do not have rights to use Biggie Smalls music in my podcast. I'm just going to tell you that right now. I I don't need someone coming after me. <laughs> right, so you're like, hey, I want my money. <laughs> well, how can someone get a hold of you? Just lastly, if they wanted to reach out and they're in your neck of the woods nationally. Yeah, so I'm at Guarantee Rate Affinity. I'm also on um, Instagram, Jimmy.mortgages. 
I'm on um, Facebook, Jimmy Jimmy Joseph Mortgages, and like I said, you just type in Jimmy Joseph Mortgage, my name should come up. I, you know, that's what I, absolutely. I worked so hard to get to that, so yeah, it should work. <laughs> well, if you're out in that Northeast, always hit us up and find Jimmy. He is a part of the crew of the trusted, liked mortgage originators in the nation from the MLO show, and of course, you know you've got that VIP hotline for for me directly, and that goes out to my whole team. If you ever need questions or need me to connect you with Jimmy or anyone across America that I know, like, and trust with the same fundamental educational approach of transparency within the mortgage and real estate space, hit us up on that number. And until next time, everyone, we will...